listeners, and welcome to The Clustercast, a filterless podcast on family travel. I am your co-host, Scott Lyons. And I'm Anna Lyons, and I apologize for my croaky voice. I am just now getting over a cold, mm-hmm. and everything just kind of settled on my vocal cords, so hopefully I'll sound more like Scarlett Johansson and <laughs> less like a, you know, a toad who smoked menthols for 50 years, but I make no promises. I'm sorry. I'm not in any pain. So that's yeah. good. You're on the mend for I'm sure. I'm on the mend, but yep. you know, go figure. Anyways, to Anyways. Kick this episode off, I wanted to talk about how we have talked about a lot of different topics on this podcast before, and we try to shake it up between locations, personal stories, and the hazards of travel. But there is one hazard that we have not yet talked about, and it quite frankly might be one of the most disruptive hazards of travel. Lost luggage. That's the one. It's like shingles, you know, (laughs) you you know, people it's happened to and you're pretty sure you'll be able to avoid it until one day you are carefree and on your third big international trip with your two kids and you arrogantly think to yourself, I've got this travel thing dialed in. Nothing can ruin this trip. And then as soon as the plane touches down and you turn on your phone to a series of text messages informing you of canceled flights and a huge mess at Heathrow and the travel fates go psych <laughs> and then you are never the same again you'll always be a little jaded and suspicious of everything travel related yep that carefree version of yourself is lost to the bowels of Heathrow now never to be found never again. ever ever so for those of you who may or may not know as family travelers we have zero shame in packing more than three pairs of underwear. We depend heavily on checking bags when we travel. And for years and years, this was a dependable arrangement we had with the airline. Yep, Mutual trust. I give you my bag. You send it on its way. It shows up on the carousel. You know, you heard about lost luggage, never affected us. Yep, we've been able to travel with our kids at such a young age because we were able to create a home away from home. Yes. Thanks to this relationship with the airline we become <laughs> accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So same everything, right? Blankets, loveys, blackout curtains, white noisemakers, bottles, you name it. You name it. Our kids are pretty sensitive to any major change of scenery, so we couldn't do the whole minimalist, my kid just needs a onesie and a spoon when we travel type of deal like our kids aren't that way so checking bags was our lifeblood always has been probably always will be so a few years ago mm-hmm. we had a chance to take a trip to europe with our good friends it was one of those things that we had always said hey let's travel together right but we could never get the timing to work but by some magic we made it work yes we did and so at this point we were feeling very confident in our travel game. I mean, Oliver was almost four, and this was the first time we didn't have to bring a stroller with us. Yeah, that was really the only area of our lives that we were feeling on top of things. Yes. So at this point in our lives, um, Scott, you were working on some really big projects oh, at yeah. work, like mm-hmm. really big, up till 3 a.m. big. Multiple and nights. Mm-hmm. I had just fractured my sad, decrepit tibia, and Oliver had just come down with strep. And I literally had packed all of our bags, prepped everything for this trip by myself. Yeah, things were tense. I think the only thing you showed up for 
was when we went to City Hall to get Oliver's passport renewed. Like, because by law you had to be there. I, I literally right. think if you didn't have to be there, you wouldn't have been there. Right. And actually, you, you had uh, an MRI scheduled the day we flew out too, didn't you? Yep. So, I sure did. you know, cherry on top. We were doing great. <laughs> we were doing so good. Uh, and the reason for this crazy thing that I did was because we had met our deductible for that year. Mm-hmm. And so we were leaving for Europe in December and then coming back right after New Year's. So yours truly wanted a free MRI. Yeah. So was it worth it? No. No. <laughs> no free MRI is worth that kind of stress to try to time things that perfectly. No, that was like one of the dumbest things I've done. Yeah. And all this crazy stuff just happened a few weeks before we left. Yeah. So our tickets and lodging were all paid for and it wasn't like we were going, not going to go, right? We yeah. were definitely going. No, we, we, I mean, we had to do it. We were, we were, we were in deep financially at this point, mm-hmm. like we were committed. So, um, our luggage, I mean, considering all of this, I mean, we're setting the stage to kind of help you understand why this whole lost luggage thing was a really big deal. That was like the one thing we had control over. And I went like full crazy person in organizing those suitcases. I mean, I even bought a travel humidifier. Yeah. You were in deep at that point. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't I can't say I blamed you, though. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And also we were traveling with our friends who are these really savvy world travelers. And we didn't want to look like the cluster fuss that we were like, hey, ignore the limp and antibiotics in general frazzled appearance of our family. Check out my travel humidifier. <laughs> We've got our lives together. It's even chrome plated, right? Really nice. It travel was, humidifier. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was so classy. So our bags are packed. Real. We're ready to go. Emotional, right? We're ready I'm to go. standing here outside your... Yeah, save your voice. Save okay, your voice. Okay. Okay. I managed to finish the last of my crazy work projects. And you get your MRI. Oliver has his amoxicillin. And we are on our way to Paris. Yay. Except. When we land for our connecting flight in Heathrow, we get this series of texts from British Airways saying something to the effect of. Your flight has been canceled. All flights are grounded due to weather in London. Good luck getting anywhere ever. And this is most likely your fault. Thank you for flying British Airways. (laughs) Mm hmm. That's exactly how it went. So here we are. And we, we hadn't even gotten off the plane. We were still on the plane and that all happened. So we are there, dead of winter, in Europe, exhausted, jet lagged, no clothing, no coats, no winter gear, stuck in Heathrow. Yeah. Us and thousands of other people. Thousands. So just for clarification, in case you couldn't put this together with our text messages. Who could? I mean, that, that was genius text thread. <laughs> that was genius. Yeah, conveying text messages on a podcast. But British Airways <laughs> at the time was dealing with a double issue that very fateful day. The workers were threatening to go on strike, which also explains the horrible treatment we got on the airplane. Grumpiest yeah. load of flight attendants I ever had the misfortune to interact with. And also there was catastrophic amounts of fog. That had grounded all the flights in and out of London. So we were super disoriented trying to figure out what was going on. Like I kept trying to call the British Airways help desk and the lines were just jammed. The lines to talk to anyone at the desk were like calling Disneyland on Memorial Day weekend for Radiator Springs Racers level bad. Yes. So British Airways was scrambling to deal with 
an impending worker strike as well as massive amounts of fog. So we were jet lagged, fractured, tibiaed, strept, and miserable. Yeah. And you can just feel the panic rising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, well, because it was. Yeah. Yep. We were advised to immigrate into the UK if we could and try to rebook some kind of flight on the other side of the border. Also, you know, also known as like the rest of the airport with the other ticket counters and more people to help. I can't tell you how genuinely nerve wracking it was to immigrate even to somewhere familiar like the United Kingdom and to not have a place to stay, not have any clothes, just coloring books in the kids backpacks. And like the only socks I'm wearing are the, you know, travel compression socks for blood clots. That's all we had, like clothes on our backs. That's it. We're going into this country. We have no clue what's going to happen. Yeah. And we were also having to figure this out as we went. Like, what? Why? How are we stuck here? We brought a travel humidifier, right? This is supposed to go well. Things are supposed to go perfect. A travel humidifier is definitely an insurance policy for a perfect trip. Yep. Because look at how organized you are. So thankfully, the guys at immigration were very kind and they wished us luck in figuring out what to do next. (laughs) Yeah. And then said, really, you need it. After we left, <laughs> like you need some luck. <laughs> so our friends were chomping at the bit to get to Paris, and we didn't feel too sorry for them because they were cool minimalists who did carry on only. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were the albatross around their necks, going. So we need to figure out what happened to our bags because they were checked through to Paris, mm-hmm. and we're not in Paris. So I think we did tell them to just go on ahead without us. Yeah, we're like, just we? go, just go. Um, and they very nicely decided to stay with us while we figured out our next steps. Mm -hmm. Um, so nothing was clear about what became of our things. The indication was that our bags might be down at baggage claim. We weren't sure how we were going to get to Paris. Um, we knew we needed to get there as soon as possible because I mean, we were paying a King's ransom to stay over by the Louvre. So the clock was ticking. And also because we had a very tight itinerary and there was literally no time to shop for other clothes or even for our bags to find us while we were traveling. Yeah. On this trip, we were rarely in one place for more than two nights. I had an indication of how these things go because when my parents took my sister and I to Europe, like back in the 90s, they lost our bags on our way home. Thankfully, this wasn't an issue because we were home, you know, so all your stuff is there already. But it took two weeks before our bags were found and they shipped it to us. So, you know, math wise. And for us, in two weeks, we'd be flying back home. We were staring down the very real possibility of being stuck in Europe in the dead of winter with nothing but the clothes on our back. Neither one of us are particularly European in body type, if you will. Uh, Scott is super tall. I'm curvy and short. So I'm just picturing the muffin top happening in these tiny little expensive Parisian clothes and some judgy clerk making disparaging (laughs) remarks about us in French. It was just like no outcome was going to be good as of right now. Yeah. Luckily, our kids were still small at this point. So everything we needed to take care of them was in those suitcases as well. Or not so luckily. Not so luckily. Not so luckily. Yeah. Yeah. So we would need to rebuy everything for the kids. At least they were small. (laughs) And the Parisians weren't going to make fun of them. (laughs) (laughs) This was looking like it would be an unfruitful, expensive, humiliating all all around if we didn't get our bags. Right. So we get down to baggage claim in London. And I literally have seen nothing like this ever in my life. Yeah, me either. I mean, it was this vast international baggage claim with rows and rows 
and rows of carousels, and instead of bags turning nicely around on them, there was an entire maze of suitcases all over the entire floor of this room from all the grounded and canceled flights. It kind of looks like something you would see like at MoMA. I mean, it looks like modern art. I mean, just these rows and mazes of bags mm-hmm. lined up and you had to just walk the labyrinth and try to find your stuff. Right. It was crazy. So all the while we're doing this, I'm on hold with British Airways. Our kids are fried mm-hmm. and Anna is meandering trying to find her bags. And our friends are like jittering in the corner knowing that the clock is chasing us to get out of London. So it was just, it was very tense. We were very disoriented. I finally managed to speak with some disgruntled baggage handler and he told us that our luggage was somewhere in the airport's baggage system and that there was literally no way to find it. Yeah, I could have told him that. I know. I'm like, thanks. Okay. Well, thanks for confirming that. So our options were to either find a way to crawl through the conveyor belt system and find our stuff. I thought about it. I, I thought about it. I wonder mm-hmm. how far you would have gotten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just give up and accept our fate of doing this trip with the smelly and stained clothes on our backs. Again, we are just processing this information as it comes. We were still feeling pretty confused by everything. Not a single British Airways staff member could help us out. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, we end up talking to some poor, overworked PR rep who was standing near the British Airways ticket counter telling people, there are no flights out of London. Get a hotel, save your receipts, and reel, and we'll reimburse you. Try and rebook tomorrow. He had also told me to save my receipts for anything we may need between now and then since our bags were gone. Mm-hmm. So, so we start calling hotels. And they had a list that they gave us. So we called everyone on that um, list and every hotel was booked. Yes. And I will also say that, you know, just kind of like when you're in this mode, you just sort of cling to these little things that can get you through. So there was this small hope. Yeah. Like it, like you're grasping at straws. Literally, Um, there was a small part of me that was excited at the idea of staying in London because, hey, you know, I'd be able to replace some of our stuff if we were in in London, you know, like. Right. We knew the area. Right, exactly. We knew London. So mm-hmm. we knew what shops to go to. We knew their names and where they were located. Not to mention the fact that we can communicate with any of the staff very mm-hmm. easily. Except, except all the hotels in and around London proper were fully, fully booked. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said that twice, but I guess just no room, no exception, no presidential suite we could try to get in. There was nothing. The only place that was available was this Hilton that was an hour away from Heathrow. So just for perspective, Heathrow is what? 45 minutes from what we would consider London? Yeah. So now we're going an additional hour away from the city to this no-name suburb. Yeah. Our one hope for walking to a Marks and Spencer or Tesco just vanished. Vanished. Gone. So we resorted to sleeping in our 24-hour underwear that we had been wearing for 24 hours that night. That was a sad night. Mm-hmm. That was a really sad night. So long story short, we get to this hotel and we belly up at the bar while our kids sleep on the couches in the lobby. And Scott spends three hours on hold on an international calling plan. So this wasn't cheap. Nope. Waiting for just some direction. Like we just didn't know what to do. I mean, could we get a flight tomorrow? Would our bags just magically show up and this would all go away? Or were we literally on our own? Like we had no clue. Right. We had several things to manage. Number one. How do we get to Paris? The rest of our trip took place on mainland Europe, so we needed to get across the English Channel ASAP. Number two, where the heck are our bags? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what in the world do we need to do 
to get them to us. Didn't know what that was. Number three, what do we need? What do we need to do to hold us over until that time comes? And I mean, we're talking. We're. I mean, we're talking. We need toothbrushes, soap, shampoo, coats. This wasn't like some diva Mariah Carey. We have to have all our designer stuff with us. No, we just needed the very basics with little to no time to do that. I had done all this crazy packing and preparation over the last month, so I wouldn't be in this situation today. Yep. Travel humidifier, okay? Like, right. I we felt very betrayed. Had everything nailed. I held up my end of the bargain. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what was so frustrating, though, is that we couldn't talk to anyone. Nobody would answer our questions. I was on hold for hours at a time, and usually I would get either hung up on or some useless clerk would just talk me in circles. Pretty much this entire time, Scott was on hold on his phone. Pretty much from the moment we touched down in Heathrow until we left the United Kingdom, he would just plug in his headphones because this was before, you know, the days of Sonicare toothbrush heads for earphones. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And just sit there and talk to us and just kind of waiting for someone to pick up. Whenever he would get an answer, everyone, and I mean everyone in our group, would look at Scott with all this hope like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, what magical information are we going to get this time? Like, so excited. Oh, I know where this is going. So you're going to talk about Kunal, aren't you? Oh, Kunal, <laughs> yes. We are talking about Kunal. And now you all are going to be in on the joke about Kunal. Yes, join so, us for the ride. Congratulations. So, bless him. It was probably his first day on the job, and he had to deal with displaced British Airways customers for miles. And miles and hours. So let's talk about them. So the one person I had gotten on the phone earlier in the day in Heathrow was this guy named Kunal. I just know his first name. (laughs) And he just didn't know which way was up and just kept talking in circles at me. The guy could give me zero information on where my bags were, what options I had, anything. I got off the phone with him more agitated than when I had had to sit on hold for three hours. It was almost like it was just filler. Yep. Like, (laughs) it was like he was as helpful as the hold music, except worse, because now you were more stressed. Yep. You were just like, that was awful. Yep. I just get back on the phone and wait my turn. Hopefully someone else more helpful will come on. Earphone in, hold music playing, me sort of paying attention to what was going on with the rest of our group. It was pretty much the entire cab ride from the airport to the hotel. And I will also say that this hold... Went on the entire cab ride, check in at the hotel, right? Dinner at the hotel's restaurant, and then we're at the bar. When suddenly, gasp! Could it be? We hear Scott say hello, and we are all so excited because he finally got through. And then all of a sudden, I see Scott hang his head, hang up the call, and literally everyone in the group is like, "What happened? Did you get through? Like this is so what what what?" And Scott says with his sad, heavy voice of just absolute defeat. It was Kunal. Kunal. (laughs) (laughs) It was him again. (laughs) That's how bad it was. It was better to just hang up on him. Yep. (laughs) I knew it was just not worth to talk to that guy again. Just he had already said everything he needed to say. And I was going to be led around the same path, the same circle all over Mm -hmm. again. So I just hung up. Which then started our regular joke for the rest of the trip in which we would say, thanks, Kunal, (laughs) whenever something not awesome would happen. Oh, but poor Kunal. I'm sure he was a nice guy. Just 
not equipped to deal with people who really needed some answers. After all, after all of that, the one thing we did realize was that we probably weren't going to get out of London the next day, at least not by air. Right. So that night we bought tickets for the Eurostar to take us from King's Cross to Gare du Nord because at least that way we wouldn't be, you know, out all the money we just paid to have this trip in the first place. Right. I think we knew we would be okay in the end, but it was the fact that nothing was sol- nothing was solving any of our immediate problems that we were facing at all. Exactly. So we had two little kids with us. Oliver was sick. I was yep. gimpy, not at my best. We had no way to take care of ourselves or our kids. Um, we were either in a strange and useless suburb or, or a foreign country or a city notorious for being aloof with travelers. Like this was just not, we were not doing well. Like I can say that. Right. It was just very depressing. Mm-hmm. So we get up at 5 a.m. the next day and we head for mm-hmm. the train station, which was a two hour cab ride. Goody. Goody. I called, you know who, British Airways customer (laughs) service line again that morning and was on hold for the entire ride. Yes. And I think we just kept hoping our bags would turn up. Right. When we were in the same country as they were, it was like, hey, maybe, just maybe we could get them back. It was just like so close and yet so far. Mm -hmm. Leaving the country was so hard. (laughs) It really was. Yeah. It was like we had just accepted our fate to leave our bags behind, which wasn't totally true but it wasn't totally not true either it wasn't totally not true i mean that's that's what it was and and the most information we had gotten was from helen helen thank you helen with british airways customer support wherever you may be yes hashtag thank you helen yep um she had told us hey we don't know where your bags are finally shot straight with us um it's our fault get what you need save your receipts we'll reimburse you for all expenses so This was a relief to hear because while the gentleman at the British Airways ticket counter had hinted at the possibility of our expenses being reimbursed, we weren't totally sure. I mean, we were taking this random guy's word and this was turning out to be an expensive endeavor with last minute cab rides, hotels, food, clothing and Mm -hmm. essentials. Yeah. Having an actual rep on the phone confirm this was very comforting. So we get on the train to Paris and Oliver throws up, of course. So our clothing was in the red at this point. Yep. So Oliver rolled into Paris wearing our friend's 10-year-old son's clothes all mm-hmm. rolled up in the arms and legs. Stylish little guy. Dickensian orphan chic. It'll catch on. Give it time. Yeah, exactly. It at, totally least, will. at least we had a direction to go. Yes. Yes. We, we knew we wouldn't be on the hook to replenish what was all lost. Yay. Yay. But we also wanted a day in london so we really only had a partial day i'm sorry we had also wasted a day in london so we really only had a partial day in we Paris. didn't want a day in london oh, sure. and that would have been secretly nice. we're like do we have a trip in london now yeah but we paid for everything in paris already so now we only had a partial day in paris to shop for a family of four from scratch so my best friend took the kids to the louvre and i frantically googled what is the parisian equivalent to target so what is the parisian equivalent Monoprix and Gap. Aha, the exotic Le Gap de Paris. De Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I know. it. I have talked to people who have been like, you chose the Gap? And I'm just like, yes. Because here's the thing. We didn't have a ton of time. And I knew what the sizes and inventory would be like. Like, this was something familiar. I didn't want to have to deal with European sizing and trying to convert that. I was already pretty fried and disoriented. 
I remember standing in the gap and it felt like the store was moving. That mm-hmm. is how tired and how much my body had been moving for the last 30 some odd hours. This was just a hunt it and bag it. This was not a fancy Parisian shopping trip. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Would you like to know how depressing it is to know that your best friends are at the Louvre with your kids and you are stuck in the monoprix buying underwear and toothpaste? Talk about FOMO. It wasn't even fear of missing out. It was just straight up missing out. <laughs> yeah. Mo. It was Mo. It was just Mo. It was just Mo. Yeah. Yeah. So our plan was to get all the toiletries we would need and then one extra set of clothes for each of us, plus a set of pajamas, socks, and underwear. Which is still very confusing for four people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my logic there was just that we could get by on a wash and rotate basis if we had an additional set of clothes until our bags arrived. Oh, oh, and winter gear. You yep. needed a coat. The kids needed hats and gloves, which was actually really hard to find because everything had been sold out because, you know, it was winter. Yep. Yeah. Duh. So we didn't know truly how much we would be reimbursed either. Yeah. So we need to be OK with a small chance that we'd have to pay for some of this. So we needed to be somewhat conservative. Also, our best friends and kids were at the Louvre without us. Yeah. Did we mention that already? Yeah, we mentioned, we mentioned the, um, the Mo. The Mo. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we get our things. And we make it for dinner and Eiffel Tower gazing. Yep. So we got everything we needed. I was still annoyed by the whole thing, but at least we had clean clothes and clean clothes to sleep in and warm winter things. Yep. Amazing how we take that for granted. We shouldn't, but we do. Uh, I think this whole experience makes me want to start some kind of like retro, you lost your bags network for travelers. Just just like a, a network of people in different locations who could just offer clothing and toiletries <laughs> to people who got stranded like like a stitch fix for for stranded travelers. And I just feel like that would be so nice because it could just be this immediate, here you go, this will get you by. Yeah, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. That would be very cool. So our trip got off to a bad start. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. And it kind of just stayed annoying because I was still every day on the phone with British Airways trying to locate our backs. Yeah. And giving them the obscure address in rural France and Spain we were in and hoping they would find us. You know, I wanted to enjoy our trip, but we always had this in the back of our mind. And I'm doing laundry every day in stupid little European washing machines just so we could have clean things. Um, When you picture going on an epic trip to Europe with your best friends, you do not envision carrying around your clothing and shampoo and grocery bags to and from the hotels and vacation rentals like little vagrants. Yes, Yes, yes. Yes, we had grocery bags for suitcases. I would have to tie them shut so socks and underwear wouldn't go rolling around the trunk of the car next to everyone else's sensible Samsonites with zippers and wheels. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was just demoralizing. Very much so. But after a week, not two weeks, but after a week, we finally had all our bags. Just a week. A week. And at that point, it just added insult to injury. I was like, just send my stuff home. Like, I don't even care anymore my dignity has been torn to shreds. Just, right. just come on, just let me be. But at least at that point, we didn't have to carry our stuff in grocery bags. That's so true. That was nice. That was nice. Yeah. So we finished our trip and we still had the matter of submitting our expenses. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Said no one. No one ever. So, <laughs> so to do this, though, we had to get a, you know, go to a designated website that we were given and fill out all the forms, gather up every receipt that related to the whole lost luggage experience. Sounds like a ride. (laughs) Anna wrote a long letter giving an account for our spending and 
And, and we got our money back. How about that? did. And it amounted to about $1,000. So it was definitely worth hanging on to those receipts. Mm-hmm. So even though we were able to get by, this trip could have gone so much differently if we had just packed a few essential clothing and toiletries in our carry-on. Yes. We could have gone gotten by indefinitely with a few pieces of clothing. We could just wash and rotate like I did with the crap we bought in Paris. So now we just always carry an extra bag on board the plane with some extra clothes and toothbrushes. And our entire medicine bag as well. Yes, that was another thing which we talk about in our sickness and health episode. Um, So go check that out if you're curious. But we bring everything we need or possibly might need on these trips with us now. I always, of course, bring our prescription medication in my purse. But even just the -the over-the-counter stuff, like I would, before this, I would just always keep it in my checked bag. Right. So, but not anymore. It all comes with us now. But, you know, for domestic flights, we don't sweat it too much. Because, you know, if our bags were to get lost, we do know the ropes of Target and pharmacy systems to be able to replace things pretty easily. And I think you should always keep an extra stash of underwear and a toothbrush unless you like washing your underwear in the hotel sink. Yeah, not that you speak from experience. Oh, I speak from experience. (laughs) (laughs) I know that some credit cards also offer luggage loss protection as well, but that really doesn't help with the, the time factor. If you lose your bags, you need your stuff stat. So we safeguard against that by just keeping our stuff with us. Yeah, time was really the issue with us. Sure, the expense was annoying. Sure, stinky clothes were unpleasant. But running through my mind the whole time was, we just don't have the time to go out and shop for new stuff. I mean, whether this was something the credit card would handle, the airline, or something we'd be hung out to drive for, it didn't matter. We just straight up did not have the time to go figure out where to buy kids' underwear and tearless shampoo in Paris. Like, I didn't even want to. It's yeah. not what I wanted to do in Paris. Yeah, we weren't in one place for very long. Yeah. Um, shortly after we landed in Paris. So we had to give them the address to find us to deliver our bags of a place we were staying more than two days. Yeah. So that was a week later. So, mm-hmm. you know, that we just didn't have the time. So if you are planning on checking bags, we definitely advise that you keep a small stash of personal items in your carry-on. And for the record, this has not put us off checking things. We just carry you know, little extras with us. So um, if you find yourself in the situation of lost bags and on the phone for hours and hours, we have some recommendations for that too. Yep. So one is to keep track of who you talk to. Names help hold people accountable. You know, it lets the customer service rep know that you mean business and that you aren't some clueless customer you can give the runaround to. I firmly believe that we were able to get our money back because we named names of the people we Mm -hmm. talked to. That is so important because it makes that connection of I talked to a person and I talked to them long enough to learn their name. And this is what your representative, like how they advised me. It just it really, really keeps them accountable. Yep, It makes it less easy for them to back out or worm around their responsibility, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And number two is to hang on to your receipts. Keep track of every purchase you made relating to the luggage being lost. Our hotel, taxi rides, dinners out, toiletries, clothing replacements were all expensable. And we make good use of those random little spots in our wallet (laughs) for storing those flimsy little receipts. Yep. And keeping those kinds of detailed records is important for obvious reasons. But I think it also shows that, hey, I mean business here. 
it's bad enough you kind of ruined my trip, but how about you at least buy me some dental floss? At least buy me some <laughs> dental floss, man. And I think especially because we were a young family, it's like, come on, guys, it's the dead of winter, and you just lost a three-year-old kid with strep. You lost his clothes. So let's take some responsibility here. Right. Which they did. They did. Yes. They didn't even fight us on it. So that was good. Right. But there was one item of luggage that never made it back to us. And we never filed a claim for it. Mm, The travel humidifier. (laughs) (laughs) No, the travel humidifier made it back. It was Charlie's booster seat. Oh, yeah. That thing bounced all around Europe and even made it to Sky Harbor in Phoenix. But British Airways was never able to get it to our house up in Flagstaff. But we didn't pursue it because the person who called you to tell you Charlie's booster seat had been found. And remember, this was weeks after we had gotten home, which makes us extra funny. Oh, yeah. Kunal. Kunal. Of all the people in the lost luggage customer service pool, Kunal was the guy who called me up and told me they had found Charlie's booster seat. Our old buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very strange full circle feeling to be sitting in my nice comfy office getting a phone call from Kunal about some lost luggage. We never quite were the same after that horror <laughs> deal. <laughs> you know, it was kind of comforting to hear from him. I wonder how he's doing, you know. Well, <laughs> it, you know, I <laughs> I got tired of talking to him and here he is calling me up saying, "Hey, good, you know, good news." I found your luggage. He finally found something. Yeah. Maybe that's why he decided to reach out to you personally. It's a true redemption story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Kunal. Hashtag thanks, Kunal. Well, that's going to do it for us, folks. Please click, download, like, and subscribe. Do all the things that tells the internet you like our stuff. Our content stays amazing, high quality, and fresh because we don't rely on SEO, buzzwords, or advertising to get our name out there. We really depend on our network of amazing listeners to get the word out about our podcast. Yep. And go check out our website, www.clusterfusstravel.com, for all the latest and greatest blog posts, podcast updates, and of course, our Trey Cool merch. Yes. Inspired by travel and a need for non-kitschy kids' clothes, we have some awesome gender-neutral designs for kids and adults. You can find all of that on our website in case you missed it, clusterfusstravel.com. All the proceeds from our merch go to keeping the lights on here at Cluster Fuss Travel. Yeah. Also, go follow us on social media. And by us, I mean Anna. Me. Yeah. I'm the one who does it. So uh, even though British Airways wants to give us in-flight complimentary water whenever they hear us say it, this is the Cluster Cast, a filterless podcast on family travel. 